You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. We want to give our usual shout out to our sponsor, J-Ho Marketing and Creative Services, and in particular, their brand new editing house division, Bookmark. Bookmark allows you to publish your book without sacrificing any of the professional execution of the big pubs, all at a fraction of the cost, and you get to keep your copyright. Thank you so much, Bookmark, for enabling us to be on the air. My guest today is a person I have known for roughly about a year. We worked on a couple of projects together, and right now we're working on his book, which we are going to talk about on the program today. Barry Habib is the author of Money in the Streets and the founder of MBS Highway, but these aren't his only accomplishments. Oh, no. He is a Broadway producer baby of the musical Rock of Ages, tied as the 29th longest-running show in Broadway history. He was voted 2019's Mortgage Professional of the Year by the National Mortgage Professionals and has an illustrious speaking career. Not to mention, he is a singer in a successful band that often plays for the pre-show championship football parties. You know, the sport with the ring, everybody kills themselves to win each year that we can't say because of the copyright, that's the one. Throughout his life, Barry has been a serial entrepreneur, having created multiple successful businesses that he has either held onto or sold. But the bigger picture is that Barry has a kind soul. He is a person who, despite his massive success, always ensures that he treats others with compassion. And his goal now in writing his book and then living his life is to ensure that that effect ripples out to everyone. As a boy who grew up with nothing, he remembers his history and treats everyone with respect. And that means everyone he comes into contact with and everyone who comes into contact with the people he comes into contact with. I am absolutely honored to bring my very dear friend to the Sick Biz Buzz airwaves today. Please welcome the incomparable Barry Habib. Thank you so much, Elle. I appreciate you having me on. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you are here. This is just amazing. Just amazing. And we like to start the show off where people get to know you. So I want to hand it over to you and just have you give it a little bit of your elevator speech of what brought you to today. Well, you know, started off extremely poor. Um, my, my parents were immigrants and uh, had understood adversity. They were also much older. And my dad passed away when I was a young boy. So my mom, although she you know, was, was someone who struggled and actually didn't know how to read and write and uh, English was not a language that she knew at the time. Uh, she really showed me and taught me a lot of things about perseverance and kindness and, 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 and a, a spirit to help others. And she's really someone who is a hero for me in my life. And I grew up looking for opportunities and being very entrepreneurial and did some pretty fun things from selling stereos to the 
from the trunk of my car to uh, getting involved in in real estate businesses where I uh, held on to some properties and rented them and flipped some and renovated some and experimented with that. And that led me to the mortgage business where, where I had achieved some success, was uh, a top producer in the country, the top producer in the country on a couple of occasions, built a company, sold it, had an idea for an invention to remove some points of friction in the industry. And that became ubiquitous and that really helped me out. And then I did some fun things, Hillary. I uh, did some acting and opened a medical imaging practice and uh, started some some shows like Rock of Ages, which is the 27th longest running show in the history of Broadway. And if you're in New York, you should definitely see it. I know that you're scheduled to do so soon. Yes. And, uh, um, Chris Angel's Mind Freak in Vegas and some other fun projects. So been in a few movies, did that, and now um, have uh, have a company called MBS Highway that really does a lot of great work for people in the mortgage industry. And it's the premier tool in the mortgage industry for professionals to become advisors instead of salespeople. And along the way, I've done a lot of TV, 13 years, had my own show on CNBC and numerous appearances on every other network, uh, was named the top real estate forecaster of the year. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, was named the top real estate forecaster by Zillow and Pulsonomics, was just named the mortgage professional of the year uh, for the mortgage industry and uh, has been, I've been a finalist for the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. So I've had some cool things happen, Hillary. It's uh, it's, it's a constant journey. Um, th- those are some of the highlights. There's certainly been their share of struggles and mistakes and missteps along the way. But uh, there's kind of a quick elevator speech of how we got here. Wow. I have to rewrite that intro. <laughs> that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. So you've done so many different things, but you also have done so many different like different things in different industries. So I'm wondering what the common thread is throughout all of this because you're going if you're talking about real estate, selling stereos out of the trunk of your car, you're talking about um, a medical imaging company, being a Broadway producer, all of these amazing things that you've done that you've done that don't seem to be interconnected. What is the common thread? You know, there, there's a lot of common threads between successful people, and, and one of them is optimism, first of all, and believing in yourself and believing that you can do things. But you also have to put in the hard work. Uh, you have to be able to uh, be willing to deal with the fact that when you're exploring a new industry, uh, a lot of the business acumen is going to be common. However, there's a lot of nuances for each industry, and you're going to pay some tuition, meaning that you're going to make some mistakes and at times you'll be taken advantage of, but you need to quickly learn from those mistakes and catch up. But what you want to try and do in business is, is essentially look, spoil your customers, spoil your employees. And if you have a philosophy like that, it will certainly help you. And you know, what's interesting, Hillary, is that if you meet someone who speaks several different languages, you might say, oh, wow, that person's so smart. They speak several different languages. But when someone starts or tries to venture away from an industry or a business that they've been known to be doing, people think that they need to pigeonhole them. And I don't know why that's true. Uh, Businesses can be learned and you can accelerate through the process and draw upon your experiences with other businesses to do that. So uh, I think it's a lot of fun to be able to speak the different languages of business uh, in, in different ways. And life is about reinvention. 
life is about seizing that opportunity and just wringing the hell out of it. And that, that seems to be what you've done despite some massive challenges in your life. And you, you were positioned that way even from birth, that you, you were kind of a, it was a less than zero situation or you're behind the eight ball a little bit. So you had to even just catch up with well, everybody I mean, else. You know, um, the way I came to be was pretty much against several odds. See, my parents, they were from, from Europe and they came here, but my, my, my ancestry is from Spain. But for generations, they lived in Turkey. And because of that, what had happened was um, it was a difficult place for them to be. They wanted to come to the United States, but the government confiscated 94% of everything they had. So they came here extremely broke. They were older. My dad was 57. My mom was 40. And that's not that crazy by today's standards to think about having a family, although it is certainly unusual. But back in 1959, 1960, that was extremely unusual. So get this, Hillary. How about this for time? When my parents learned that uh, mom was pregnant, you know, they, they had a, a, a lot of hesitancy and concern being broken and also being older, but abortion was illegal. So I was fortunate in that regard. But how about even this one? So I was conceived in 1959. And get this, birth control pills didn't arrive on the scene until 1960. So Hillary, you talk about like just making it and squeezing it in between the wire. I really kind of, I just eked it out there. So I'm kind of a fortunate, um, something in the universe wanted me to be here. And uh, and I'm very grateful that I am. As a matter of fact, that's another common thread is just gratitude. If you come from a place of gratitude every day, uh, things don't don't appear as bad. They really do because you get perspective that things could always be worse and you keep in the forefront of your mind the things that you are grateful for. Well, and when you come from that situation where the odds seem to have been stacked against you, against your very own potential to exist, it puts a little pressure on you, doesn't it, to make something of your life? It can if that's what you decide to do. You know, some, mm -hmm. some people may decide to throw in the towel and say, well, you know, I've, I've got some some difficulties and some hard knocks and not strive to get out of there. Look, because you started off in a place that's not so great, it really doesn't mean you have to stay there. You know, and that's the decision that you have to make is, is do I want to stay here or not? And I clearly did not. Uh, you know, what's interesting, Hillary, is, is just in, envisioning that even as a, as a child, I would, I wasn't seeing myself there always. Mm -hmm. I really dreamed very often of of being able to have some success and being able to have nicer things. Uh, some of them seemed a little bit out of reach at the time, but I always thought there would be something better for me. And that's just fascinating. It speaks to the actual DNA in you, doesn't it? You know, my DNA is pretty crazy, Hillary. Later I learned out, you know, I, people have always said to me, Barry, you know, you're, oh, you're Mr. Positive because I try really hard to always see the good in things and the good in people as well. You know, like, like I, I try very much to empathize and see the struggles that somebody's going through. And I believe that uh, the vast majority of, of people are, are, are pretty good at their core and want to be good and want to do good things. I, I believe that, you know, and, and people think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like Mr. Positive. Well, wouldn't you know it? I find out that you mentioned my DNA. 
my blood type I found out is is uh, is B positive, really. Ridiculous <laughs> that sounds, but uh, it's true, and and it's true that optimism is a really important trait, and it's you can't just turn on optimism. You you have to you have to harness it by recognizing that while things can certainly always be better, how quickly they can be worse and much worse. And I think that if we were to look at look at ourselves in the position we are and just look around at how many people would probably love to have our sort of problems. So maybe take a moment if you're in the midst of a challenge and catastrophize, how can it get worse? And then you can pull yourself back and and say, wow, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not there. Okay. I'm actually in a better position than I initially thought. So to, I'll, I'll give you an example. Now we have a very thriving business and there are many, many things and projects that we have. We have a tech center, our, our office, we have our main office. And then across the hall, there's our tech center mm-hmm. and we've got all kinds of stuff that's going on there. Well, a few Sundays ago, I get a, a phone call that there's a fire at our office. I'm like, oh, a fire? What do you mean? Is that for real? You know, and I find out that our tech center is on fire. I don't know what happened. It was a fire that, that happened inside a wall. We had nothing to do with it. And, you know, so many people say, oh, my gosh, that's so terrible, this and that. But I kept telling everybody how, how blessed we are, how amazingly fortunate we are. So think about, first of all, we have a fire but yet no one was hurt. So that's like, could you imagine how bad it could be? And then I'm like, thank goodness that we, our office just across the hall was fine. So yes, we have some inconvenience. Yes, we have to make do. Yes, we have to have some cramped conditions. Yes, we have a lot of catch up in rebuilding things, of course. And yes, we've got some money that's gonna be out of pocket, but nobody's hurt and we can move forward and we still have an office to work out of. While other people might have been, I was literally happy. I was happy and appreciative for the fact that there were so many good things that we had and we had escaped some horrible circumstances that could have been much worse. And I think that's just an example that just happened. And it wouldn't happen unless I was grateful. It wouldn't happen unless I had that mindset. And that's something that you do every single day. After I had my first cup of coffee, Hillary, I say out loud, the things and the people that I am grateful for in my life and all of these amazing blessings and, and the abilities that I've been able to have and, and the good the good things that I have that I can look to every single morning and start my day that way. Does it start to rewire your brain when you wake up with gratitude and you remind you don't need to remind yourself to wake up with gratitude, but other people who maybe are waking up not feeling so fortunate if they take on this, I don't want to call it a challenge, but if they take on kind of this regimen change, does it start to rewire how you think after a while? I completely believe that. First of all, it's not, and it's not just that. And then, you know, you really need to get in touch with your why as well. You know, I, I believe, Hillary, that most people walk out the door in the morning and they're thinking of other, whatever they're thinking of. There's a lot on their mind. They're busy. They may be rushing, but they typically just get the car keys and, and start the car up and go. But what I really try to do is get in touch with why I am doing this every day. And, you know, is it money? Listen, I grew up extremely poor. So 
money is a big motivator. I think about, you know, ways that I can continue to have some degree of success because there's no, no shame in wanting to make more money. You'll, you'll be in better shape personally, but having more money allows you to do a lot of good in the world and good for others. You know, is it competition? I'm always competitive, but mostly I'm competitive with myself. There's something about a level of confidence that you gain by being able to be your very best self. Meaning that if I say, you know, what was my best week, my best month, my best day, my best year, if I can strive to make that the current one, then the state that I'm in is the very best state I've ever been. And there's something incredibly powerful about the confidence you gain, not cockiness, but we all know how amazing confidence is, what it will do for your ability, what it will do to draw others to you, how you can gain more success. Confidence is critical. Now, if you can, if you can compete with yourself and push yourself to be at or near your very best in your current state today, and if you think that tomorrow you'll be even better, there is some very confident aspects. There's, there's, there's a, something inside of you that just oozes this quiet confidence that will draw others to you. Everybody wants to be around somebody who is not cocky, but confident. And, and that does it. So there's other things too. How about your significant other? How about wanting to make a better life for that person? Is that why you're going out the door? I bet you it is, but why not think about it? Would that motivate you to do better? Would that give you the ability to overcome some of those challenges that are going to hit you because you know that that's nothing compared to what you're trying to accomplish and who you're trying to do it for. Having that person say they're proud of you. How about your parents and honoring them? How about your children? We'd, we'd walk through fire for our kids, wouldn't we? Why not think about that when you're walking out the door and saying, I'm going to deal with whatever's going to be done. Nothing's going to stop me because I'm doing it for them. And you know what? No way, no how anything is going to be able to beat me because I'm not going to let anything come between what I want to accomplish for my kids today. So that's, that's the mindset. When you set out to accomplish a goal, do you even entertain that you might lose? You know, it's always out there. So you want to be realistic. So you want to set a distant goal, but you want it to be something that you believe in your heart that it will be hard to do, but you can do it. You know, you don't want to set a goal that is completely unrealistic. You want it to be reachable, but it's a stretch. It's just outside of your comfort zone, just outside perhaps of what you've ever done. Just something that you're going to have to push yourself. And then monitor the pace of that as you go. Don't just, you know, oh, I'm here or I'm not. You want to monitor the pace of that. So if you're a bit behind where you need to be, you've got to step up your game. You've got to push it a little bit. And if you're exceeding where you're going to go, don't take your foot off the gas. Set the goal higher. I mean, that's how you can really get growth and success. This is, this is a mindset of, of winning. You know, if you really want to win in life, in business, in relationships, that's the mindset you have to have. So you have a winning mindset that is deeply, deeply ingrained in you, but you also have fierce and savvy business acumen that that seems to be instinctual to a degree. So you're able to pop up these companies. They're massively successful. You either hold on to them, become a part of them, 
or you can sell them for a profit. And so I want to pick your brain a little bit in terms of let's really start to identify what do you do when you have an idea, you're implementing it, you want to blow it up into a business. We have a lot of people who are listening who are in the midst of dealing with some health challenges and they have ideas about what they need to do to run their businesses. But I think we're dealing with a level of inefficiency to a degree. And so I just want to pick your brain and see if you can share with us what is the most efficient way to start a business. So that's a that's a difficult one to answer because every business is different. But I will tell you there is some commonality. But before we begin, Hillary, as you know, uh, I am certainly not one that has uh, dodged having health challenges either. Right. So uh, it, it is something that has occurred to me. You know, as you know, uh, in 2012, when finding out that I had cancer, uh, this was something that um, definitely changes your perspective, and in some ways it actually helps you grow. Um, maybe in many ways it helps you grow. But what you can't let it do is you can't let it stop you and you can't be woe is me or that poor person or feel sorry for me or I want, you know, I want extra, extra, you know, consideration because of this. You know, uh, Hillary, you know this, you know that I have not been public about it for a very long time because I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I, I, you know, I, I was very, very private about it. Uh, but what I hope for every six months when I go for my checkups and blood work and scans is that, you know, I can continue with my life and keep going forward and keep moving forward and address it when things change, if they change. But there's a lot that I want to accomplish. So all of these things that we're talking about help you with being able to overcome and deal with this, knowing what you're doing this for understanding you why, being grateful, knowing that while this was not a great hand to get dealt, I could have been dealt a worse hand. And there are still so many good things that I want to focus on the good things. I want to have a beautiful mindset. You know, Hillary, we all get pissed. We all do. We all get pissed, right? At things, you know, it's all love and this and that, and everybody's great. And then you get behind the wheel and somebody cuts you off and we go ballistic, right? So um, what we need to do is understand that that's going to happen. But the magic happens if you give yourself like 90 seconds or a minute to get out of it. Don't let a circumstance rob you of your beautiful mindset. Don't let it rob you. And it is a work in progress for me because I'm a human being. But I really try. I really try to just settle and change it. And maybe I might have said a few words that I wish I didn't or, you know, react instantly in a way that, you know, isn't my best self, but I don't want to stay in that state. I want to get out of it as quickly as possible. So all of those things can help you have the right mindset for a business, which is the first common thread that you asked me about. What are the things to do start? So it starts with mindset, but Mm -hmm. then break everything down and boil everything down to a sale. This is what you have to do. So many people come to me and they ask me, oh, I've got this idea. I've got that idea. So what I really want to know is what happens at the point of sale, because without a sale, nothing happens in business. A product or service has to change hands at a price. And we have to then reverse engineer it 
What does it take to manufacture it? What's the opportunity? So you just have to bring it back. Somebody might think they have a really great idea and it could be a really good idea in theory, but once you start breaking it down into application, it becomes very difficult perhaps for that product to survive. Not all products are going to survive. Everybody thinks their idea is great and they're going to be quite convincing. So what you need to do is in every business opportunity or in any business you start, first start by breaking it down to the sale. Would I buy this? What price would I buy? What's the competition out there? What would this product do for me? Where are the vulnerabilities? Well, who can come and, and, and take over and, and, and beat me at this game? You know, there are so many stories about this, you know, people that had medallions for, for taxis used to think it was the, the greatest business in the world, the ability to now own that taxi. There's a limited amount of medallion licenses so that you could have a taxi. And it seemed because population increasing, traffic increasing, parking getting expensive, that this was the greatest business in the world. And people went crazy in these businesses until Uber and Lyft came around. So they got blindsided. They never saw it coming. So you really have to challenge yourself to say, where would I attack my business? Don't ever get comfortable. Don't ever be like, oh man, this business is so great. I'm terrific. This, uh, think about being your competitor. You, if, you were, if, if you were your own competitor, where would you attack? What are the vulnerabilities? Shore those up, improve them, and then keep moving forward. You know, in our business, every day we're looking to improve, looking to move forward, looking to get better. These are the types of things that we work on literally every single day. And it's, it's relentless. We are absolutely relentless in trying to improve. So if you're going to have any business, you know, mindset, a relentless spirit to con constantly want to improve, spoil your customers, spoil your employees, because that's important. You need to build goodwill. You need your customers to be fans, not customers. That's the big difference. When you have your fan, your customers literally as fans, as advocates of you, that everywhere they go, they're rooting for you. They want you to succeed because you built up goodwill. You, know, you make people feel loved and special as your customer. Now, when you're selling something, I don't want this to sound too corny, but but what you, what part of your product has to be love? It's got to be love for them. It's got to be love for wanting to do good by them. You don't need to take every nickel off the table. Let people feel like they're getting something. It's okay. And do that with your employees. My employees in every business I've ever had, there's literally almost no turnover ever. Why? Perhaps I pay them a little bit more than what the going rate is. And I do. And we have try to have a fun environment. We try and do special things for them. I'm there for them in their time of need. I care about them. And yeah, that's think, amazing. I think what happens is they feel like I wouldn't get better than this somewhere else. So the grass won't be greener somewhere else. Now that costs more in time, it costs more in money, but it's an investment that endures. And if you treat your customers and spoil them, you treat your, 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 your employees and spoil them in this manner, uh, you have the foundation in any business to keep those common elements. And that's what I did. You know, Hillary, when you come with me to Rock of Ages, you will see it's a love affair with the employees there. It is not, you know, it's a love affair. It's hugs and it's, you know, it, it's, it's appreciation. It's, and you could see that in, in my business at MBS Highway. Uh, you could have seen it in my medical imaging. And in every business that I've had, that's the relationship, not just with the employees, but with the customers. So if you're building a business and you really want to build this business, you have to start with a rock solid foundation and you can't do it yourself.
Yeah, that's amazing. Your team, and I've seen it too. I've seen it firsthand when we've done video chats. I've seen all the love that's been shared. I've seen the uh, videos that you guys have taken of having your silly ceremonies or you're doing your races or whatever. So I think you're working on morale. You hit on a number of really critical mindset points that I... I really, I want to just recap for people because that was a lot of value right there. Number one is getting out of your own head. You know, it's really easy when we have these challenges that seem to be pigeonholing us or they they seem to be changing our identity. Oh, great. Now I'm a cancer patient. Oh, great. Now, you know, I have multiple sclerosis. That's who I am now. And that is not the case. You know, and there's a couple of exercises that Barry shared to help you get through those times. And I hope that was helpful to pull yourself out of whatever it is that you're getting from being in the self-limiting mindset. So you have to really get to what's more at stake here to move forward. You know, and the other piece that you talked about, I think this was amazing, is it wasn't just getting into the value of it, but it was thinking like your competitor. And that is really a crucial component in business. And then you involved love, which is wonderful. You have uh, a quote in your book about you have to be able to fall in love with your business and take care of your business. And that's really what it comes down to. These businesses that are not heart-centered don't tend to survive. So I think you just offered such a tremendous amount of value. And, and you gave people a stepping stone as well. If you're stuck, this is what you need to do to move forward. Sometimes it's much easier easier to detach from that emotion of, oh, crap, I'm feeling this way, and then just focus on the action. Okay, but I'm supposed to be doing this for my business. Maybe I'll compartmentalize this and come back to it and work through it. But right now, I'm going to work on my business. I'm going to set the offering. I'm going to set the prices. If you're stuck in terms of generating sales, That is key as well, because it it feels like in this entrepreneurial environment, a lot of people are idea people. Well, I have this great idea and I want to do this thing and this is going to be wonderful. When it comes to the sale and asking for the business, we seem to struggle. Would you agree with that? It can be, certainly. Yes, yes. That's why you want to begin there. You want to begin with the end in mind. You want to begin with what happens at the point of sale with this product? Would people buy it? And, and, you know, talk to a lot of people. Find out if this is something, you know, remove a point of friction. You know that that's something that I've been talking about for a long time. Find out where these points of friction are, Hillary, and they're everywhere. There are points of friction everywhere. My, in the mortgage industry, people were getting blindsided by moves in rates. So I created a company to help alert mortgage professionals so they can protect their customers before interest rates got worse. When I had Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages on Broadway, there was the, people were not allowed to drink an adult beverage in their seat. And I would witness individuals wait online 
And then they'd pay a lot of money for a drink, 18 bucks for a drink. They'd get it. The show would be starting. And now they couldn't bring their drink to the seat. So either miss the beginning of the show or guzzle the drink. And I'd see these people in nicely dressed outfits. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like downing because they don't want to waste 36 bucks for two drinks that they just got. They're not even enjoying it. It's like, you know, this is now a job to get this down before the show starts. Why? Why? And we became the first show in Broadway history to allow drinking in the seats. It was a struggle. With my medical imaging practice, we began the practice with a thought of removing a point of friction. I had many scans. And I know that tech who's doing the scans knows what's going on, but they're precluded. They're prohibited from telling me. And unless you have your doctor's cell phone number in your speed dial, which you, most of us don't have that luxury, your mind messes with you. I've got to wait four days to speak to my doctor. I'm checking out stuff online. I'm making myself freaking nuts. Why? So we yeah. made it so that by the time you got dressed as a radiologist on site and you either had a great answer and good news, or if it wasn't the news that was good news, you had a plan. And at least you had optimism on a plan towards something good. And that, that's why those businesses flourished, because we removed points of friction. And if you could try to strive for that in a business idea or do that within your business or do that within your industry, watch yourself grow. We do that every single day at MBS Highway. We talk to our clients. We get feedback from our customer service department. What are the common issues that are out there? How do we fix it? What can we do to make things better? And that's what keeps us growing. That's problems, incredible. By the way, problems are not problems. Problems become opportunities because you now can solve something to help people. So take those problems and embrace them, fix them, and then move forward and stay ahead of your competition. I love that. So removing those points of friction is ensuring that your clients are, and, and the, any people that you work with, that it's as smooth as possible to do business with you. You're making it as easy as possible to do business with you. That speaks a lot to your sales as well. So if you have somebody come to you and say, well, you know what? I have this pain point and I really want to do this. And you go, okay, but I only do this and I don't do this other thing that you're talking about. It might behoove you to take a minute and see if you can help them resolve the entirety of their problem instead of just a little chunk here and there because that's all that you offer. Especially if they're repeating, if they're recurring, you know, the one oddball situation. Okay. But you start to see this pattern. You should address it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an opportunity. Like you said, it's an opportunity, not only for the client, it's an opportunity for you that you can actually monetize. The, no question about it. You nailed it. hundred percent. So, I always just light up when you say that. I'm like, Barry has approved of me. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap, I want to ask you one more question. And that is, who are some of the most motivating speakers that you listen to or visit or see? So um, Ronald Reagan is one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to or watched any of the footage from him, and if it doesn't get you motivated, boy, I'd be surprised because um, he was a wonderful motivational uh, speaker and visionary. Uh, Tony Robbins, who is now a dear friend and a good friend of mine, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that he 
he has so much to offer in the content that he delivers and the perspective shifts that he gives you. So those are a couple of, of my favorites. So uh, Jim Rohn, when he was, uh, when he was alive, always had pearls of wisdom that I would love to listen to. I had the pleasure of having dinner with him a few times and just, uh, and just loved it. And uh, coach Bill Belichick of the Patriots. Uh, this is uh this is a special human being and uh, blessed to have on three occasions in a small group been able to spend an hour and a half with him uh, at, at three different breakfasts where I was able to ask him questions and listen to him. Uh, extremely life-changing. I no wonder why the Patriots are such a, are such a winning franchise. I mean, to be, a, to be getting knowledge and, and, and benefit of this man's perspective uh, every day. Uh, you can't help but win. And that just goes to show you to wrap what we're talking about is it's mindset. It's mindset. You know, Bill Belichick, you know, what does he look for in people? You're building a business. Here's what Bill Belichick looks for. Tough, smart, dependable. Now listen to that. Mm-hmm. We all know smart, you know, right. Okay. You need a brain, right? Tough, mm-hmm. but not just tough physically, tough mentally. You're not going to be petty. You're not going to be, you're not going to be uh, unable to take criticism to get better. So that mental toughness. But dependable is the most important. Better than talent, dependable. Because if you know the person to your right or the person to your left, you can count on, they're going to do their job, you can be more aggressive. Just think about the beauty in that. I think about that every day at work. Are my teammates doing their job? Can I depend on them? Because if I can depend on what they're doing, I can be more aggressive. And that's true in every single business. We all need teammates. Make sure you have the right teammates, you've trained them correctly, and if you're going back and doing their work for them, it's holding you back. It's holding them back too. Yes, but if you're running the business, you're right, Hillary, but if you're running the business, it's holding all of us back or all of you guys back if the leader of that business is doing things that take them away from leading that company. Well, because there are certain positions and roles that they should not be doing as the leader of that company. They need to be out of some of these manual implementations. And I, I think that's where we run into problems with CEO micromanaging and all of those other things is that you really need to define what you should be doing. And then as team members, rely on each other. Dependable. Need dependable people. People that you know are going to do a great job. And that, right. One, by the way, you have to let go too when you teach people and train. Let go. You know they're going to make mistakes. They may not do it as good as you. But you have to empower them so they can grow, and then you, you want you have to keep, you also spend the time to train them to get them to where they need to go. Oh, very wise words of wisdom, and I want to thank you so much for being on today and sharing so much of yourself. Um, just tremendous insight and vision from you, and I think it's going it's going to light a fire under so many people who may have been lacking the perspective or the direction that's needed. And you, and you really illuminated that. So thank you so much, Barry. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you for all the good that you do. There's a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Some entrepreneurs make a big deal about how successful they've been. The cars they drive, the house they live in their Instagram account, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen all of these people because how can we not see them? And they're in our faces, obviously. They're in our ads. They're everywhere. Barry Habib is a person who enjoys his success, 
who is not ashamed to reach for more success, but he lives quietly. He is a person who believes that his actions speak for him, and every interaction he strives to make the other person feel important. That's the goal when he engages in conversation. That's the hallmark of his business and in his personality. I think it's important to listen to the messages that he shared today. Take away the gems that you need to and apply them to your life, in business, in your personal life, as you're dealing with your illness. Because as you learned, Barry is right there with you. He's experiencing the health challenges. He's juggling those challenges. He is refusing to let them define him. If you would like to get in touch with Barry and experience even more of his positivity and his motivation to fire up your momentum and achieve your own beautiful mindset, you can reach out to him at Barry at mbshighway.com. He'd love to hear from you. And don't forget that his new book will be out soon, Money in the Streets. It is a must read. It's a monumental creation and there has not been another book like it. I can tell you that. Before we wrap the show today, I want to invite you over to iTunes so you can leave us a review. We said it before, I'll say it again. Reviews are the lifeblood of podcasts and authors and content creators, artisans in general. So if you are moved by this podcast or episode, by a particular guest, please make sure you leave a review and let us know. Don't be afraid to share your experience, share what you've learned, and create your own ripple. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.